The Trumpet Daily Programme begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Programme begins right now. Well, as you know, one of the oldest sayings in Washington, it's not the crime but the cover-up that usually gets people into trouble. You know, influence peddling is a virtual cottage industry in Washington. I've been a critic of, of this form of corruption uh, for decades. Although I have to tell you, I've never seen anything on this scale. What the Biden family appears to have done uh, really is far beyond uh, most the appetite of most of these powerful families. Uh, but the problems they have are all of these statements that appear now to be false. So influence peddling in and itself may not be a crime, but the means you use to commit influence peddling and the means you use to, to, to cover it up can be. I mean, there are foreign transfers uh, that the House is, is going to be looking at. There are obviously tax issues that are already under investigation. But there's also been a lot of people who have been interviewed by federal agents. That tends to be the area where you find the greatest danger of prosecution is making a false statement to a federal agent. Now, on top of all of that, the House of Representatives appears ready to issue a storm of subpoenas. That's going to increase the risk for people around the Bidens. And I think that's one of the reasons we're seeing this pre-announcement of a scorched earth campaign to try to yeah. get people to think that you, uh, if, if you I proceed, to, you do so at your own peril. That's uh, Jonathan uh, Turley last night on uh, with Hannity talking about the House Republicans. January 3rd, we're not that far away from it. The war is heating up. The House Republicans have said they're going to investigate. And as he brought out there, the fact that they've covered this up for two years and lied over and over again, a lot of times that's what, uh, that's what reveals the crimes just trying to cover up all of the sin. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We certainly appreciate you joining our growing audience. You can get to the live video stream and to all of our podcasts at our website, thetrumpet.com. Of course, you can get to all of our literature, including this one here. This is the January issue of the Trumpet Magazine, Ready for War. You can see both sides. Clearly, they're digging in their heels. I mean, Joe Bama, they're not going to take this just lying down. They're going to fight. They're already preparing to smear and to persecute anyone that would come forward with evidence of these many crimes. The, the, the big guy. People are now finding out about the big guy. Two years on. 51 intel agents lining up to say it was... It had all the classic hallmarks of Russian disinformation. Kevin McCarthy says he's going to, he's no strong pro-MAGA Republican, but he has promised to subpoena all 51 of those agents, those intel officers, John Brennan and company. I mean, that's pretty amazing. There's some people squirming right now as they're going to have to be brought, brought, brought before a House committee, the intel committee, the Oversight Committee, and they're going to have to answer. How is it that you concluded that this was Russian disinformation, the laptop? 
This is from PJ Media. It says, after the New York Post published stories about Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings based on emails from his abandoned laptop, 51 former intelligence agency officials publicly disputed the story as Russian, as Russian disinformation. It says the laptop was genuine. And there was never any evidence that it was Russian disinformation. There was never any evidence. Listen to these people and how often they go on and on and on. There's no evidence of, of uh, fraud. There's no evidence the election was stolen. Here they said it was Russian disinformation. And there's no evidence of that. There wasn't at the time either. And the media, big tech, they all went along with it. They were all part of the cover-up. The, the election was rigged in more ways than one. It was rigged. It says here, in a sense, the 51 former Intel officials had engaged in disinformation to protect Joe Biden before the 2020 election, using their reputations and security clearance as cover for their lies. See, like Turley brings out, I mean, they've, they've lied. And, and some of them have lied to federal agents. Some of them have lied under oath. And so out comes the Washington Post article this week, outlining the fact that the Biden people, Joe Obama, they're ready and waiting to smear and to attack anyone that would dare come forward and expose these crimes. Selling out to the communist Chinese of all people, lining their pockets, Richard uh, from the UK office, he had this in his news stack a couple days ago, and it's from the Times of London. And of course, all of the content in this story we've covered on this program for going on two years. So there's nothing new here. But the fact that it's in the Times, I mean, that's like right mainstream as far as as far as the UK is concerned. It's right in step, generally speaking, with the BBC. And yet they had in the weekend edition, I mean, this was prominently featured. It says here, even now, this is the Times of, of London, even now, as it is clear, the laptop is not just real, but a scandal. It's a scandal. The media keep away from the story. It says the dozens of former intelligence chiefs who made such a highly unconstitutional intervention in an election remain uncensured. They haven't been punished. They haven't been called to account. Now McCarthy says, yeah, yeah, they're going to be subpoenaed. They're going to have to testify under oath. They're going to have to answer for their lies. Not one of them has even apologized. Not one of them has even come forward and said, yeah, you, we got it wrong. I'll admit we got it wrong. They're just quiet, quiet as little mice. It says here, and it looks as though the true story of the collaboration between Democratic Party operatives, Biden family supporters, elements of the intelligence agencies, and the world's most powerful social media platforms is only now beginning to come out. This is the Times of London saying, yeah, yeah it looks like there's collusion right across the board. That there was As Richard said in his news comments, people in the UK are probably learning about this for the first time. This is a pretty significant change in the narrative 
in the thinking. For most Brits that are over there thinking, well, that was Russian disinformation and uh, there was no foul play with the election. And obviously Twitter, I mean, Twitter's not really in discussions with the FBI and the DHS. They're just operating alone and it's a private company. And yes, the U.S. has free speech, but Twitter can do what it wants. It, it, it's, 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 I mean, it owns the platform, Jack Dorsey and company. Well, now that's different. Now the truth is coming out for the first time. A lot of people in the UK are learning about these things, these crimes of the Biden crime family for the first time because it's been covered up. Talk about conspiracies. It's a conspiracy against Donald Trump and against the United States of America, a conspiracy from within, as I say, Joe Obama, they're not going to take this lying down. And that's what Turley was on with Hannity to discuss last night. Just how that he's never seen anything like this, where they're getting ready to attack you. These I mean, one thing you got to give the radical Democrats credit for is they're all in on their vicious attacks of the other side. They're all in on it. They're a hundred and ten percent going forward with it. But as Turley said last night, what's so unusual, he wrote about this too, I'll, I'll get to it in just a second, but he says what's so unusual here is they're basically saying, yeah, we're going to come after you. We're going to intimidate witnesses. We're going to smear Tony Bobolinsky. I mean, they're naming names. And it's in the Washington Post. That's like the playbook that D.C. And, and the New York media operate from, that and the New York Times. The Washington Post is about as pro-Biden as you can get. And they're there saying, yeah, yeah, we're coming after uh, Trump. We're, we're com as if they're not going after him enough already. But they're all lining up. Turley writes at the New York Post, this is from the other night, it says, just when you thought our politics could not get more poisonous, a recent, here again, war, that's what it is. This is war. Just when you thought it couldn't get more poisonous, a recent meeting in California suggests the past is mere, is mere prelude. The Washington Post, which revealed the powwow, described it as Biden family allies planning an offensive to blunt any investigation into the Biden's alleged multi-million dollar influence peddling schemes. So they're going to go after you because they're finally getting investigated now their, their attorneys are lining up to say, okay, how can we attack the other side? It's not about getting to the truth. It's not about using the Constitution to, to expose wrongdoing and to punish people. Like the Times of London says, all 51 of those intel officers, they haven't even been censured. Not one of them. And, and a lot of them have top-level security clearances. Still, says Morris, per the Washington Post, called for a more aggressive response to those seeking to investigate the alleged influence peddling. That plan includes hitting critics such as Fox News with possible defamation lawsuits. So here we go again. It says here the paper also reported Morris outlined extensive, I think this is a, a, an attorney close to the Biden crime family, it reported Morris outlined extensive research on two potential witnesses against Hunter Biden, a spurned business partner named Tony Bobolinsky, and a computer repairman 
uh, a, a repairman named John Paul Mac Isaac. So they're going after the computer guy and then Bobolinsky because they've got the goods. Bobolinsky knows who's he, he has said it over and again. He said it with Tucker uh, a year and a half ago. Uh, yeah, the big guy is Joe Biden. Of course. Of course it was. He was getting a 10% cut. They were raking it in from the communist Chinese. Sellouts. Every single one of them. And a lot. And as Turley brings out, I mean, this is like a cottage industry in, in D.C. It happens all the time. That's why they hate Trump. He, Trump comes into office and he doesn't even take his presidential salary. He just, he just gives that back, basically, to the Treasury. He took nothing. He didn't take things from China. He didn't take money from Russia. He wasn't on the take from Ukraine. He, he wouldn't even take his salary. And for this, they want to destroy him. He's not establishment. He's a man of the people. So they want to destroy him. They don't want to give up their control. They don't want to give up the, this, this cash cow that Washington, D.C. is for anyone who's will, willing to sell off America, basically. It says here, spurned is hardly the sole or most relevant description of Bobolinsky. The businessman was recruited by the Biden family to manage foreign deals and later directly contradicted President Joe Biden's claims that he knew nothing of those dealings. He didn't know anything about it. And there's pictures and there's emails connecting him to all of it. Joe Biden. Yeah, the president of the United States. He's lied. And a lot of people are in on the lie and have been lying for two years. As I played for you yesterday, really Giuliani, he was trying to alert people to this in 2019. So three years ago, over three years ago. And people wouldn't sound the alarm. People were too afraid. And you can see why. You can see why. Because it finally looks like they're about to go after this family, at least the House uh, Republicans. And so you've got all of these groups lining up. And they have to create, you know, an appearance like it's not coming direct from the White House. Because that would be clearly intimidating witnesses. But here, what, I mean, this is about as blatant as you can get to actually print the strategy in the Washington Post for all the world to see, including Bobolinsky. You think Bobolinsky's reading this? Yeah, they're, uh, they're uh, digging into my background. You can be sure, just like with, we've seen it before, Justice Kavanaugh, anything he's ever done in his life. I mean, it's, it's free game. It says here, his testimony could present a serious threat in the coming House investigation in establishing not only the president's knowledge, but his possible receipt of proceeds from deals. It says Morris's plan could easily be taken as a declaration of all-out war on potential witnesses against Hunter Biden. See, Trump's ready for war, but, but, but so are these extremists. So are these communists. It's all-out war. War over the investigations. War over the witnesses. Listen to Turley again from last night, clip five. I want to focus in on this, this issue of intimidation. Are we talking about, when I read the Washington Post article, uh, it seems to talk about intimidating witnesses, intimidating investigators, and intimidating anyone in the media that dares to uh, talk about stuff that we know to be on the public record. Doesn't that read the same way to you? 
<clears throat> That's certainly how it looked to me when I first read the Washington Post uh, piece. Sean, as you know, it's not uncommon to create these type of attack machines uh, in Washington, uh, but you don't make them public. The idea is that these attacks, the negative stories, are supposed to come out spontaneously to give that appearance <clears throat> that they're not being organized. Um, it is very uncommon to have this all laid out in the Washington Post, naming targets that happen to include the two chief witnesses uh, that are contradicting the Bidens. That seems to be an effort to put a shot across their bow, to say, we're coming for you. And the question is, why? I mean, why is it important for them now, before any subpoenas are issued, before testimony is given, uh, for them to issue this warning shot? And I think that it could easily be read as an effort to chill people, if not intimidate them, that if you're going to even cover this story, uh, they're preparing defamation lawsuits in retaliation. Right. It's not even the witnesses that they're going after. They're going to go after outfits like Fox News and others to try to silence them. This is their strategy. This was their strategy going into 2020, the, uh, the election, covering up the Biden uh, the Biden laptop to begin with. This is why Twitter was working in collusion with the deep state to blot out even the name of Israel, to use the Bible language, to blot out Donald Trump. You have these perverts in charge, as I said yesterday. They're running the show. They're allowing all this filth to circulate on Twitter. I mean, you talk about Isaiah 5, through and through. There they are calling evil good and then good evil. Someone who's a patriot, who's sounding the alarm, who's exposing evil, he's blotted out. Meanwhile, this filth, it just spreads all over social media under the watch of someone like Yoel Roth. You look into his PhD, just disgusting. Disgusting filth. So here they've all got the talking points now. Okay, if you're going to come after us, we're going to go after you. You have faith in this system, this, this standard of justice? Listen to another one of the talking heads. This is uh, Heitkamp, I think, over on MSNBC, clip one. If you're going to go after you know, Joe Biden's son in the House, maybe we ought to look at the deals that were done by, by Jared and Ivanka when they were in the, in the, in the White House. And so, yeah, you go after Hunter, we go after Jared and Ivanka. That's the way that it works. That's the way it works in the swamp. Sickness from head to toe. <laughs> the sickness has set in. Listen, this is, this is the human heart we're talking about. God says if you put your faith and your trust in a human being, even if it's in yourself, well, you're going to come under a curse because the human mind is hostile to God's law. Romans 8, 7. The human heart is, is sick and desperately wicked. Jesus said in Matthew 9, it needs to be healed. As I was saying in principles this morning, I mean, we're seeing, what's, we're, we're seeing what happens when you just banish or blot out God from the equation. Or add it to that, constitution, you know, the foundation, foundational law. If that gets blotted out, it's just a free-for-all. It's like what you're hearing them describe. You come after our witnesses, we're going after yours. You come after our guy, we're going to go after your guy. And, of course, to this point, we've seen that it's pretty lopsided in, in favor of the radicals 
because they control so much. But that is beginning to change. As I said earlier, a lot of people in Britain are probably reading that, that Times of London piece over the weekend thinking, wow, I, I didn't know that was true. I didn't know 51 intelligence officers lied. I didn't know the intel community in the United States was spreading disinformation to try to get Joe Biden elected. Listen again to Turley from last evening, clip six. I mean, they're going to uh, this scorched earth campaign because there's not a lot of ground left for them to fight on. The statement made repeatedly by President Biden appears clearly and unequivocally false. I mean, the, he said that he had no knowledge, no discussions on his son's foreign Ever. dealings. There are pictures of him meeting with these business executives. Uh, there are emails going back and forth. And the person who was most threatened in that Washington Post article, uh, Bobulinski, is the guy who is the greatest threat to President Biden, because he said he met with President Biden to discuss these deals and that, you know, that he was brought in to help manage those. So it's clear that they've sort of declared an open season on him and others who might testify against the Bidens. He says there's not a lot of ground left for Biden to fight on. And so now it's Operation Scorched Earth. Now we've just got to blow it all up. Take them all out. Look at this uh, special counsel um, again set up in order to persecute all things Trump. Jack Smith is his name. Says here from CNN. Of course, CNN gleefully reports this kind of thing. Says newly appointed special counsel Jack Smith is moving fast on a pair of criminal probes around Donald Trump that in recent months have focused on the former president's state of mind after the 2020 election. You see, they can divine evil in the opponent as I covered with you yesterday, they, I mean, they can, they know what you're about to do, and that in itself is a crime. It's not about what has happened. It's not about the facts of the case. It's about what you might have done. Even in the Twitter files released yesterday, the, the fifth batch, and basically the Twitter people concluded on, on January 8, 2021, that Donald Trump hadn't violated any of the rules. And they, they basically, I forget the, the name of the gal who worked there so closely with Yoel Roth, but basically she came back and said, well, you know, it could be interpreted. Some of these tweets could, there could be code language. And a couple hours later, Donald Trump is banned. That's all it takes. And of course, they're working in collusion with the deep state. Yeah, that's right. Bill Barr had enough awareness and understanding of the law to recognize that what Mueller was doing was unconstitutional and that it was it was basically handcuffing the president of the United States, Donald Trump. He couldn't do his job because of Mueller just constantly sending in the attack dogs. It says here, though he remains in Europe, Jack Smith, that is. Recovering from a biking accident, Smith has made a series of high-profile moves since he was put in charge last month, including asking a federal judge to hold Trump in contempt for failing to comply with a subpoena ordering him to turn over records marked classified. Well, a judge has since smacked that down. 
Everybody and their dog knows the Mar-a-Lago raid was a, was a fraud to begin with. Everyone knows it. Even a judge, I think the judge was appointed by Obama. So the Department of Justice, I mean, they're on a fine line here because they want to persecute and destroy scorched earth. But they don't want to get smacked down by a judge either. They don't want to be humiliated in court. So they got to walk a fine line. They actually, in court, you see, theoretically, in court, you have to have evidence, right? You have, you have to be able to prove that there was criminal activity, a criminal act. A lot of this punishment is just the investigation itself and stretching it out as long as possible, just like they do with the January 6th prisoners. It says here, uh, he has also issued a flurry of subpoenas, including uh, to election officials in battleground states where Trump tried to overturn his loss in 2020. Smith, listen to this, Smith takes over a staff that's already nearly twice the size of Robert Mueller's team of lawyers. Twice the size. For what? What's the crime? They can't really tell you that. But they're, they're looking. They're looking. They're really going to try to get into his state of mind. What was President Trump's state of mind? That's what the Twitter officials were doing in 2021 when they banned him. Well, he technically, he didn't violate any of our rules. But his state of mind, I mean, some of these tweets are mean. Some of these are mean tweets. Oh, isn't it refreshing? Now we finally ridded Twitter of Donald Trump, the bad orange man. The thinking of these people. It's will worship, isn't it? They, they worship themselves. They worship their will. Who do, how does Yoel Roth get a position of power over what a president of the United States can or cannot say? It seems like Roth ought to look at his own sins. You can go back and listen to yesterday's show if you'd like to. But like it says in here, I mean, considering what these people are doing, what they're getting away with, the crimes that they're covering up, you would think there'd be more. And again, congratulations to McCarthy and a few others that are, it seems like uh, James Comer is ready to issue a flurry of subpoenas himself. I mean, if they subpoena every single one of those intel officers, then, then finally, as I say, they would at least have to answer for their lies. But you, you would think Republicans would just be lining up to get in this, this fight. You would think they'd be rolling up their sleeves to get in this fight, to stand up for the truth, to fight against evil. As it is, you've got Mitt Romney out there saying, oh, Trump's the kiss of death. Trump, uh, Trump lost again last week. This is the best Mitt Romney can come up with. My father says in this article, Ready for War, he says, it's astounding that these establishment Republicans would rather live under the tyrant Barack Obama than support senators who back and support Donald Trump. Yeah, can't support Herschel Walker. Can't support Blake Masters. Can't support uh, Kelly Chewbacca up in Alaska. It's got to be the rhinos or, or Democrats. We'll just withhold funding. Republicans, the Republican Party, will we'll withhold funding from fellow Republicans because they like Donald Trump. 
That's the way Mitch McConnell thinks. He was exposed as a fraud during the midterms, before, during, and after the midterms. They'd rather live under a tyrant, Barack Hussein Obama, than someone who is giving his salary back to the Treasury, someone who's not taking in millions upon millions of dollars from the, the Communist uh, Party in China. It says here, how can you deal with this kind of division? Such senseless decisions are political suicide. What is wrong with their minds? They've become addicted to the devil's reasoning. It's human reasoning under the influence of Satan the devil, who is the prince of the power of the air. They're reasoning with the devil. They certainly won't reason with God. You can't reason with them. You can't. They, they have called black, white, white, black, up, down. If it's good, it's evil in their eyes. If it's evil, it's good. And we declare our sin as Sodom. Isaiah 3. In America Under Attack, here's this, as if you don't know about this book. <laughs> in, the, in this book, it says, We are seeing bold, blatant lies, much bigger and bigger, uh, a, a much bigger and bigger part of today's political landscape. It's stunning how utterly unapologetic our leaders have become in saying things that are clearly, provably false. Adam Schiff, he was out there saying how great the, uh, the foreign policy is for Joe Biden. Uh, I heard another official, I forget, he's the NSA guy, I forget his name, Sullivan. He was talking about how great and secure the southern border is. <laughs> just, just, just provable lies, blatant lies. It says, in, in the rare cases when they are caught and called out, they say they never said those things, or they insist that what is false is actually true. They are shameless. They're shameless. They, they will say anything. This is a quote from the Ezekiel booklet. I mentioned this yesterday when we went through that section in Ezekiel 8. It says here, Israel's destruction illustrated by what was done to Ezekiel's hair, you can see this in Ezekiel 5, is divided into thirds. The first third will be burned with fire. The second third will be killed in a nuclear attack. And the last third will be taken as slaves and sent all over the world. My father says later, as I point out in America Under Attack, he plugs that book in uh, the Ezekiel booklet, the political Antiochus is committing the most treacherous, treason treasonous acts you can imagine. God is allowing it because the American people received and ignored all those warnings. Well, and we've got our own sins to think about as well. But, but we've also been warned, and we haven't, we haven't responded to it. We haven't acted on the warning. And so the problems, they just get worse and worse. The leaders, they just lack the courage and conviction to stand for what's right. Look at what one example. I went through that yesterday with Elon Musk. He comes in. He's, he's only been in there for a short time. He's getting rid of pornography on the platform. He's reinstating accounts like Donald Trump's. I mean, just someone that has the courage to stand against the mob. All these talking heads are out there saying, nobody's going to buy Teslas anymore. Oh, he's really shooting himself in the foot. 
Well, maybe, maybe he does have money to burn. He's obviously the richest man in the world. And for owning all these companies, he's involved in space projects and Tesla and everything else. It's astounding to me how much time he's spending with Twitter. Twitter! This is his baby. He's cleaning up the crime scene. It just shows you what, he's not a perfect man and neither is Trump. But it just shows you what one person can do if he just stands up to the mob and says, no, no, this is the way it's going to be done. And then you see the reaction to what he does, and you can tell. You can tell by the hysterical reaction, the temper tantrums, that, that what he's doing must be pretty significant. It must be pretty important. Listen, listen to the Scarborough people from yesterday, clip two. I never thought at the end of the day that Putin would be illogical enough to go in to Ukraine. He did, right? And he keeps taking the country down a, a, a rat hole. And so I'm like, it, it, it is disconcerting because he's acting every day against Russia's right. own self-interest. Losing 100,000 soldiers. In a much smaller area, you, you have a billionaire, uh, richest guy in the world. He can afford to lose $44 billion. But again... What's the logic in playing to a small slice of conspiracy theorists? There's Joe Scarborough comparing uh, Elon Musk to Vla Vladimir Putin. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that, that comparison. So now he's on the side of the dictators because he's using a little bit of authority to clean up the crime scene, to actually enforce some rules. The internal, the internal communications reveal that Donald Trump didn't break the rules. And he was blotted out anyway. So in comes Musk to say, you know, he's back if he wants. If he wants back in, he's back on. His account is now active. This was interesting from Red State. It says, as Musk continues to strip the fat from his new company, Twitter seems to be running just fine, if not better than ever. Users are up, bots are down, and Musk was even able to move resources to more important things, such as protecting children on the platform. An important task that old Twitter, that would be Yoel Roth, okay, let's name names, that old Twitter had hitherto ignored in favor of censoring conservatives. They were so busy censoring conservatives that they were allowing these perverts to traffic child pornography. They were more concerned about censoring conservatives than protecting children. That's right. And Musk comes in to clean it up, and Scarborough cannot understand the logic. He must be Vladimir Putin. It says, while the Western media is constantly doomsaying Twitter and throwing as many insults as they can at Musk over his, his changes... Other Silicon Valley business leaders are taking notes and adopting Musk's strategy. Take, for instance, this tweet thread from managing partner of CIO of uh, uh, Atreides Management, Gavin Baker, who noted that other CEOs are getting out their own knives and are now happily cutting away in their own companies. Well, they're actually looking at Musk saying, well, maybe we should trim the fat. Maybe we should clean things up. 
maybe we should turn our business into something that's more streamlined and efficient and, uh, and, and possibly even more profitable. Roger Kimball had a piece at the Epoch Times. Well, my father has said in Great Again, he's said it in America Under Attack, that just one example, he uses the example of Donald Trump, that if he is allowed to lead and to use some authority the right way, that it can inspire others. Now, you see the way that the others are surrendering to the mob at the moment, Romney and, and company. But when he was in there, I mean, he did, he did inspire enthusiastic support and even courage in some cases. This is called, Is Trump Finished?, he writes, it has been amusing to behold the evolution of the anti-Trump narrative since the midterm elections. Now, finally, at last, we can purge the Republican Party of all MAGA elements and return to that semi-official second-class status we had gotten used to under, under one-and-a-half-party Democratic rule. Kimball says, now, at last, we can return to the well-pressed, clean-cut, no-mean-tweets, status quo ante, NPR, Mitt Romney, endless vistas of rice pudding. Yeah, we could all just blend together like, like, like it used to be in the good old days before the bad orange man. It says Elon Musk's ongoing Twitter dump that is exposing the media's collusion with Democrats to steal the 2020 election and taint all things Trump seemed for about a nanosecond as if it might upset the avocado cart of anti-Trump complacency. Yes, it seems likely that the ongoing revelations put forward by Matt Taibbi and others will spark a certain amount of outrage on the right. I suspect, however, that the scandalous revelations will have approximately zero effect on the congealing narrative. See, people, you know, they get out, they're outraged. It's outrageous. I mean, I saw Trey Gowdy. He said, uh, well, to, to learn that Democrats uh, were colluding with other Democrats on social media platforms, that's not exactly a big shockeroo for me. So, so what, we just let it go? We, let, we allow government-sponsored censorship? Oh, yeah, it's no big deal. I mean, there's Democrats in the deep state. There's Democrats at Twitter. We've known this. That's the way so many of them think. So don't even fight. Don't even fight against it. Don't even show an ounce of courage. Just, I just read to you what the Washington Post is putting the, the playbook out there for these radical communists. We're coming after you, Bobolinsky. Kimball says, responding to Trump's effusion, Elon Musk tweeted, he's talking about the, the comment that Trump made about terminating the Constitution. He said, Elon Musk even tweeted, the Constitution is greater than any president, end of story. And then Kimball says this, that sounds pretty uplifting. Taken in isolation, I agree with it myself, but have you run it by Woodrow Wilson, for example, or Barack Obama, or Joe Biden? As long as you're strict constitutionalists, uh, maybe you can evaluate the actions of Joe Biden, the actions of Barack Obama, the decrees of these presidents and former presidents who see themselves as above the law, above the Constitution. No, it's a tweet. We're going to focus in on a tweet from a former president. He's the rightful president. That's what they focus on, and Kimball exposes that. 
is evil through and through. He says, the ever-percipient Sarah Hoyt, writing at Instapundit, got it exactly right. What he's saying, this is just to break down the president's, uh, the president's statement about how that because of all this election fraud, there's really, no, there's really no, nothing in the Constitution for how to fix it. So that's what he was getting at when he says to suspend or to terminate. It says what he's saying is that we're past the rules, regulations, and articles of the Constitution, which we knew, didn't we? This was a color revolution, which means a revolution that uses the country's rules and regulations against the country to install a usurping entity under the cover of law. See, they talk about law even as they go about their lawlessness. And like that prophecy in Ezekiel 9 brings out, God sees it. God says to his prophet, you look through this hole and you see, you're going to be shocked. There's even worse abominations going on. Pay attention now. Hoyt's on a roll, says Kimball. And then he quotes her. By definition, there isn't a way to remedy this situation within the law because the laws were subverted against us and themselves. So there's nothing there that says, here's how you fix election fraud. It says, if so, then what? Again, I think Hoyt gets it uh, in one. It says, Trump is, as he always does, trying to get people to talk about things. He's not calling for war or revolution. He never did. He's trying to get people to see that the Constitution has been shredded and that you better courageously stand against this attack or your country is gone. If you haven't requested America under attack, please do call our operators today and we'll send you out a free copy. No cost, no obligation. We'll send it out ASAP. That means as soon as possible. The 800 number, 1-866-930-3024. You're listening to Stephen Flurry. This is the Trumpet Daily, and we will be right back. is KPCGFM and this is the Trumpet Daily The developed nations have made awesome progress they have produced a highly mechanized world providing every luxury modern convenience and means of pleasure yet they are cursed with crime violence, injustice, sickness and disease, broken homes and families. At the same time, more than one half the world is living in illiteracy, abject poverty, filth and squalor. Violence and destruction are rapidly multiplying. Many ask, why, if God exists, does he allow so much violence and human suffering? To understand the reason behind this astonishing paradox, request a complimentary copy of Mystery of the Ages. We were born into this 20th century world as it is. We take it for granted, but we can't explain it. It's like viewing a movie at a point already near the end. We see what is occurring at that point, but not having seen it from the beginning and not knowing how events developed to the point of viewing, we simply cannot understand what we are seeing. Mystery of the Ages transports you back to the beginning of the movie, to the foundation of this present evil world. 
To learn more, please visit thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. On this program, we often uh, talk to you about how God expects for us to judge by the fruits, the, the, the actions, the deeds, and not so much the words, mere words. It's, it is easy to be fooled by words, by flatteries. Satan is the author of lies and deceit and flatteries. And look at how many people are deceived by that. Now, that said, the Bible does have a lot to say about words and about how we communicate our speech. There's lots of beautiful proverbs that talk about the importance of a well-spoken word. Obviously, we're here as God's church, our, our God's church on earth. We're here to communicate a message. We're here to speak to an audience every day, to exhort, to encourage, to correct, to direct, to instruct. We're doing it every day on the college campus with our various uh, courses, the Bible classes, and the like. And as I told the students uh, the other day, I mean, you have, what, nine, ten different, it's a small little campus, less than a hundred students, and yet you've got nine or ten different nations represented, different ethnicities, different races, and yet all one family of God, and what we do with one another and even how we speak to one another. It's very important that we uplift, that we edify with our language. The Apostle Paul uh, just set a fantastic example in this regard. He, he came from a strict um, Pharisaical upbringing in the, uh, the little town. Well, what's that, that town where he grew up in? It, it escapes me at the moment. Um, but it was a Gentile city, and so then when he started his ministry, he's obviously uh, used to be a strict Jew. Now he's a converted Christian. He's going into these Gentile cities, Greek-oriented, Roman, uh, Roman leaders of all types, and converted Jews, unconverted Jews. He went to Jews first, then he would go to Gentiles. I mean, he spent time with a lot of different kinds of people. And notice what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We went through this a week or two back in uh, the epistles of Paul class. He says in verse 19, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. So here was this well-educated man serving God in a prominent position, and yet he just made himself to be a servant of all, to serve others. And of course, this is the way Jesus told his disciples to lead in Matthew 20. They were kind of arguing and bickering over who was going to be in the highest position within God's government. And Christ said, look, if you want to lead, then be a servant leader like me. Jesus was a servant leader. This is what Paul was out there serving the brethren, verse 20 says, And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. There's a saying, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. 
but, but obviously that doesn't mean in the sense of crimes or sins, but to just be respectful of their country, to be respectful of their traditions, their customs, and certainly their laws. God has said to us in the church that we're ambassadors. That's also in the, the writings to Corinth. We're ambassadors for Christ. And so we're here really representing another kingdom, another nation, spiritually speaking. We represent God. And so there are limitations to even the involvement that we have in the community and certainly in politics. We've talked about this before. Because we're here as representatives of another world, a new world that's about to be established on this earth. This is Herbert Armstrong writing back in 1983, again referring to this example in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, Paul spoke to others from their point of view. He spoke to others from their point of view. Now, none of this means that he you know, compromised with God's truth. I mean, he openly rebuked Peter. You can see that in Galatians 2 because he, he wasn't doing what was right. His heart wasn't right when he was dining there with a group of Gentiles. And Paul exposed that and said, look, that's not of God. That's, how not, that's not how God behaves. So Paul wouldn't compromise with God's truth, no way. But he did try to see the other point of view. He did try to come at it from their point of view. He says so. To the Jews, I became a Jew. To those that, that uh, are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them. Verse 21 continues. To them that are without the law, or had no knowledge of God's law. They were ignorant, as without the law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. It says here, again, coming back to Mr. Armstrong's article, Paul spoke to the others, he spoke to others from their point of view. He talked to a Jew, just like another Jew from the Jewish standpoint, showing sympathy and understanding of the Jews' way of looking at Christianity. They were hostile to the idea of Jesus being the promised Messiah. Paul did not arouse hostility. He put it down. He came to them as one of them, so that they were sympathetic toward him, not hostile. That's important to try to reach all peoples, as I tell the students here regularly. This is, I mean, this is the brilliance behind the, the liberal arts education at God's College, is it really does help for you to be all things to all people, to learn a little bit about a lot of things, as opposed to one thing about one thing. You know, there's so many specialists in the world today. That's what the modern university produces, oftentimes. It's really good, as I was reading this morning in Principles, it's really good at, at developing the machine, but not the human being. Not teaching a human being how to live. Students come to this college and they learn how to live. How to live. How to make a marriage work. How to raise children. How to be successful out in the, the business world. It may be necessary to get some additional training or maybe a few extra classes when you're done with AC. But, I mean, this is the foundation. This is that bedrock foundation. This is what's missing in all the other educational institutions. This kind of education, this kind of training. 
It says in verse 22, To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. You see, Paul humbled himself. He made himself a servant. He was out there serving. He didn't resent or criticize people because of their background or because they came in a little bit too self-righteous and they needed to be humbled or because they were from a different race or a different part of the world. He learned, and this was God's love in him. You can read a lot about that in 1 Corinthians 11, also from this first epistle to Corinth. But he was sympathetic and understanding because God's love was dwelling in him. This is why we've got to be praying for that love every day. And sometimes the love, the love does correct. Like that rebuke in Galatians 2. Open rebuke for one of his colleagues, Peter. Paul knew how to reach the Jews. He really went at them with a lot from the Old Testament. With others, like in Colossians, where there's not as much of a Jewish influence in the congregation or in the church area, then he wrote about some other things. He really did try to practice what he was preaching here in this chapter to the Gentiles at Mars Hill. He quotes from their own poets. I mean, he was a well-educated man. He even knew what some of their poets had said. So he quoted to them. He tried to reach them based upon Maybe some things that they knew and understood. They, they might not have understood God's truth, but he tried to find some common ground, any way possible, to get the, the truth of the gospel into that group, that audience, that family, that individual, that new contact. And this is something that God's church does to this day. Herbert Armstrong said, speaking of the Apostle Paul, you think of Mr. Armstrong who... He rubbed shoulders with the prime ministers and kings of this earth. And yet you see how the work started in the Willamette Valley in Oregon. <laughs> I mean, he could really communicate well with any kind of individual. Well, hopefully tomorrow I can carry out this study a little bit further because it is important what we say, how we say it even. You're listening to Stephen Flurry. This is the Trumpet Daily, the 800 number. 866-930-3024. We appreciate you joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow.